Today we're back in our series entitled Instead. Have you ever needed an instead? You've tried and tried and all you encounter are closed doors. You've taken a test five or six times because you need that test to go to the next level, but the door has been closed. You've tried for months or even years to have a child, but every time you try, the door is closed. You're looking for someone to unite your life with, but every time you try, the door is closed. Well, today I want to reassure you that God, he has an instead for you. God always has an instead for you. In 1936, Theodore Geisel had a dream in his heart to write children's books. And so he eagerly wrote his first manuscript. He took it to a publisher. The publisher looked at it and said, no, this won't work. And the door was closed. He took it to the third and fourth and fifth publisher. He was rejected and the door was closed. He took it to the 10th, the 15th, and the 20th publisher. And they said no, and the door was closed. He took it to the 25th publisher, and the door was closed. He took it to the 26th publisher, and the door was closed. He took it to the 27th publisher, and the door was closed. And as he stepped out into the sunlight on Madison Avenue, New York City, while the sun was shining brightly, there was a darkness in his heart. And he decided in that moment, I'm going to go home. I'm going to give up the dream. I'm going to burn this manuscript, and I'm going to go back to what I've always done. As he was slowly walking along Madison Avenue, he heard a voice from across the street that said, Theodore, is that you? And he slowly looked up, and he saw a face he hadn't seen in decades. It was a childhood friend who walked across the street and said, Theodore, what have you been up to? And why are you so sad today? Theodore hung his head and he told his friend, I just came back from a publisher. In fact, it's the 27th publisher that I vis visited and they've said no to my manuscript. I have a dream in my heart to be a writer of children's books, but I've been rejected. I'm gonna give up this dream. I'm gonna burn this manuscript and I'm gonna go back to what I've always done before. When the friend heard this, he was excited. And so he said, I know you haven't seen me in decades, but I wanna let you know that I'm an editor of children's books. Would you let me see it instead of burning it? Would you hand it over to me? And so right then at that moment, the friend began to look at the manuscript that Theodore Geisel had written, and he realized that he had gold in his hand. He said, why don't you give it to me instead? I'll take it to my lead editor, and let's see what we can do. A couple days later, the friend reached out to Theodore Geisel and said, I've got great news. My boss is excited about what you've written, and he wants to publish it. But under one condition. The one condition is you have to have a pen name. My boss doesn't think that you're going to sell any books under the name Theodore Geisel. He said, what's going to be your pen name? And so Theodore thought for a moment, and then he decided, I'll go by the name Dr. Seuss. Dr. Seuss, over the course of his career, wrote 60 books. Imagine for a moment a world without cat in the hat, one fish, two fish, red fish, blue fish. I can't say that a bunch of times. It's a tongue twister. And green eggs and ham. 
green eggs and ham. He was about to give up. At the time of his death in 1991, Dr. Seuss, his books had been published 600 million times in 20 languages around the world. He had reached a point in his life where he was about to give up. He had tried 27 times and he had met failure. But it was on the 28th time that he saw the doors and the gates of blessing open up in his life and he stepped through into his purpose. I want to reassure you today that God has an open door for you. Be willing to trust God. In fact, I've titled my message, New Doors Are Opening. New doors are opening. I don't know about you, but I'm excited that God has a new door opening for me. He has a new, op- a new door opening for you. And I want you to tuck this word in your heart. You, have may, you may have encountered a bunch of closed doors, but I want to reassure you that God has an open door for you. But often in the path towards the open door that God has for you, you encounter some closed doors. In fact, closed doors are very common. I've discovered in my own life and in the lives of other people that closed doors happen for two reasons. Number one, God closes doors to keep you out of trouble. Sometimes what's on the other side of that door isn't blessing, it's destruction. It's going to take you away from your family. It's going to take you away from your faith. It's going to take you away from the purpose that God has for you. God keeps the door closed to protect you. And often he keeps a closed door also because you're not ready or the season that's on the other side of that door is not ready for you. There have been moments in my life when I've been ready for something. At least I think I'm ready and God says, no, son, you're not ready. But God, I'm ready. No, you're not. God, I'm ready. No, you're not. Trust God. If he's closed the door, it's closed for a reason. In fact, I've discovered that if God's not in it, I don't want it. If God's not on the other side of that door, if his blessing and approval and his purpose is not on the other side of that door, then I don't want it. There have been moments in my life when I've kicked the door down to get to the other side of that door, and all I found is disappointment. I'll, I'll tell you, if you're willing to allow God to lead you through the door that he has opened for you, there will be blessing, there will be fruitfulness beyond your imagination. God wants to lead you through to the door he has opened for you. We must be willing to hold fast to him. I've discovered that when God says no, he's really saying, I have something better in mind for you. So I want to invite you to join me in Matthew chapter 5. We're going to look at verse 5. We're back listening to Jesus at the Sermon on the Mount. He's teaching the disciples. He's teaching anyone who is in earshot of him. He's teaching them about how to do life. He's giving them the Beatitudes, which are the attitudes of Jesus. He says, don't be more like the world. Instead, be more like me. In fact, the word to those people then are the words that God is wanting to speak to us today. So join me. Open up your Bible, your Bible app, your Westover app. Let's look at the word of God together. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. This word meek is a word that we don't commonly use in our current language. It's a nuanced word, but I want to explain it to you because I think it's important for us to understand what meek actually means. Many of us, we hear meek and we think meek means that we're weak. But actually, meek, it means someone who is patient, someone who is humble, and someone who has power under control. 
Does that describe the life of Jesus? He was humble. He was patient. He had power under control. In fact, this is what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 11, verse 29. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. If you're restless in this season, choose to be meek like Jesus, and you will find rest for your souls. It's not just a suggestion. It's a promise. Choose to be like Jesus and you will find rest in this season because Jesus is the peace and the rest that you need. Well, today I want to share with you three steps to take to see new doors open in this season. If you want to see new doors open, here are the three things that you need to do. Number one, choose humility. Actively choose humility. We live in a world that's all about climbing the corporate ladder, the ladder of success, be first. In fact, There's this statement in our culture that says that second place is the first loser. That couldn't be further from the truth. In the kingdom of God, when you choose humility, you're always going to be first. God's always going to put you first. When you're willing to go low and submit to him, he will always elevate you. He will always move you forward. In fact, this is the mentality that Jesus is contending with in the culture. This is in the culture. Everything that the disciples and the people of that time see is this idea of pride. They see, the, they see Rome and Herod and the religious leaders push people down because of pride. And Jesus says, don't be like them, be more like me. Be more like me. In fact, Jesus took a hard stance against pride. God opposes pride because pride, pride will destroy you. In fact, 1 Peter 5.5 5 says this, all of you clothe yourselves with humility towards one another. Because God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. If you want to see favor in your life, choose to be humble. God does not like pride. In fact, he has an allergy to arrogance. He pushes away pride and he hates hubris. Because pride is poison. Pride is poison. It will poison your relationship with him. It will poison your relationship with others. And it will lead you down a path of destruction. This is the sin that Satan committed that got him kicked out of heaven. He wanted to make it all about himself. If you look at the word pride, the the letter I is right in the middle. Anytime we are at the center of our own universe, we're on the path to destruction. Satan wanted to sit on God's throne and he wanted to take all of the worship. We as humans were not created to be worshipped. We're created to worship God. And the way we do that is through humility. Proverbs 16, 18 says, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before the fall. We as believers, we must be careful. We must be willing to choose humility because humility is either a choice or a consequence. You either choose humility or humiliation comes. You either choose to live low or you will be brought low. The mighty fall because they elevate themselves beyond a position that God has put them in. Don't trip over yourself. Stay low. Be willing to stay low. Be willing to live a life of submission and humility before God. And so today, if you're struggling with pride in your own heart, I want to offer you two quick thoughts to realign things in your life. Number one, check and correct your heart. Pride and arrogance live in the heart. We need to check and correct our heart. We must replace 
pride with humility in our heart. Remove any arrogance or pride that you have in your life. It's gonna get in the way of your future. And number two, love, live, and lead with humility. 1 Peter 5, 5 says, clothe yourselves with humility towards one another. Socrates, the great philosopher, said, pride divides people. Humility unites them. If you want to be close to people, live and love with humility. And if you want to lead people well, lead out of humility. Jim Collins, the great business author, said, the X factor of great leadership is not personality, it's humility. He also went on to say that great leaders are humble and focused. They're humble about who they are and what they have, but they're focused on the mission. I want to share with you a couple names of some of the great leaders of time present and time past. And I want you to see if you agree with me that these people are humble and they're focused. Abraham Lincoln, Nelson Mandela, Mother Teresa, Billy Graham, and our pastor, Jim Ryan. In fact, I want to take a quick moment. October is Pastor Appreciation Month. And I think we need to honor our pastor and thank him for being humble but also leading us courageously through the mission. Can we honor him today? Let's honor him. Thank you, Pastor, for leading well. C.S. Lewis put it this way. True humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. We don't need to lower ourselves to see other people advance. We just need to think less about ourselves. If we're willing to do this and live this way, we'll see people gather around us and we'll be able to lead courageously. The second way to see new doors open is to lift up others. Lift up others. Great leaders always elevate other people. The only time we should ever be looking down at anyone is when we're extending a hand to lift them up. It's the only time we should ever look down at anyone is to make sure that we're pulling them up. In fact, Jesus, he reached down with his righteous right hand to pull us out of the miry clay. And I don't know about you, but I'm grateful to God that he pulled me up out of the mud and that he saved me from some things and that he protected me from some things and that he kept me from going through some doors that I wanted to kick down. And now I've committed my life to make sure that I lift up other people and say, be more like Jesus, not like me, be more like Jesus. Lift up other people. Philippians 2, 3, and 4 says this. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, instead, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. The business world talks to us about looking out for number one. But the Bible says that those who are last shall be first when we're willing to elevate others and value other people above ourselves and look out for the interests of other people, you'll discover that God will elevate you. What if, what if your success hinges on the success of other people? What if your dreams hinge on unlocking the dreams of others? For you see, humility is a hinge. In fact, if you're online, just type there in the comments, humility is my hinge. Maybe you say it in here. Humility is my hinge. Humility is my hinge. God's gates of blessing hinge on humility. 
If you're willing to open the gates of blessing for other people, you'll discover that God will bless you. When you're willing to bless God's people and even the people who don't know God, God will bless you. That's the way the kingdom of God works. When we're willing to be blessing to other people, we will be blessed even more. It's part of the reason why. It's part of the reason why we're doing this one day to feed the world program. We're choosing to be a church that blesses other people. Because when we bless others, God blesses us. We don't give to get, we get to give. We get to be a blessing. And number three, to see new doors open, be patient. Be patient. Now, be honest, I'm not patient. God works on me all the time. It's always the test. I always get the slow checker at the grocery store. You know that one person that talks and talks and talks to everybody and they're moving the thing slowly? And I'm just, I'm smiling in my heart, but inside I'm saying, just move the thing along. I'm also the person who always gets stuck behind the bus in my subdivision, and there's only one way out of my subdivision, and I get stuck behind the bus, and I love kids, trust me. But being behind the slow bus is frustrating because I just want to get where I need to go. So God is constantly encouraging me to be patient. But there's something about patience that prepares us. There's something about patience that prepares us. For you see, if God is pausing something in your life, it's because he wants to give you something. It's because he wants to teach you something. It's because he wants to prepare you for something. One season's pause is another season's preparation. Be patient. When he pushes the pause button in your life and you're standing behind a closed door, it's because he wants to have a conversation with you. He says, you want to walk through this door all by yourself, but if you walk through it without me leading it, you're going to encounter failure. You're going to encounter difficulty. You're not going to see the fruitfulness that you have in your heart. Be willing to be humble and patient and let God open the door and let God lead you through the door. And if you do, you'll discover the blessing of of the kingdom of heaven will come upon you. You'll see him bless you in a powerful way. 1 Peter 5, 6 says, humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. If you want to see your life be blessed, put everything under God's hand. God cannot lift up anything that's not under his hand. You're either in charge of it or he's in charge of it. If your hand is on it, he can't bless it. If you want your marriage to work, put it under God's hand. If you want your business to work, put it under God's hand. If you want to see God move in your children's lives and in your students' lives, put them under God's hand. If you want to see your finances be blessed, be willing to put them under God's hand. Let him have the say about how you use your finances that he has entrusted to you. But once you've done that, you need to wait because this verse says that he will lift you up in due time. I've learned that God's never in a hurry, but he's always on time. He takes his time. Man. What's interesting about this word time is in the English language, we have one word for time. And usually we refer to it as chronological time. In fact, that's the word in the Greek, chronos. Chronological time. Days, weeks, months, years. But the Greeks also had another word for time called kairos. And kairos, it refers to a season, an appointed time. 
There's nothing that you can do to advance the Kairos time. We can't jump straight to summer. We must let this season go through. We need to go through fall and winter and spring and then go to summer. We have to wait for the progression of that season to occur. But the best way for us to understand the Kairos time is to think about a mother who's expecting a baby. Every baby needs to be born at an appointed time. If we choose not to allow their, the baby to be born at an appointed time, it's either going to be, when it's born prematurely, it's either going to struggle to live or it's going to die. In the same way, don't try to birth a dream prematurely, it will die. Don't try to walk through a door prematurely, it won't be fruitful. God's timing is perfect. Trust God's timing. He's going to come through for you. He's not holding back on you. He's holding you back so that you're ready for the thing that he has for you. Let God prepare you for what he has prepared for you. He's preparing you for what he wants to entrust to you. But often there's challenges behind the door that you're facing that you can't see. God sees and knows things that you can't see or know. We often say new levels, new devils. I say new doors, new devils. There are challenges that you're facing, that you're going to face in the next season. And God's preparing you today for what's coming tomorrow. I know that this season has been difficult, it's been painful, but if you have the proper perspective of this season, you'll discover that God is preparing you for what he has prepared for you, and there's going to come a moment when he opens the door of blessing, and you're going to say, thank you, God, for the fact that you worked in my life, and you changed some things so that I'm ready. I have the shoulder strength to carry the thing that you, you have for me. We must be willing to hold on to him. He always comes through right on time. Today I want to share with you a story of a friend of mine who faced a difficult situation. He kept trying to open doors, but none would open. And so he had to trust God. I want you to hear the story of my friend Johnny. Take a look. Hi, my name is Johnny Yunkow, and in 2017, I didn't know my life was about to drastically change. I walked into the office that day thinking it was like any other day. But that day, I was about to lose my job. That moment, I was told to go pack my things up with the next few hours, and I had to get out. I wondered how I was going to make it. I wondered what my family was going to think of me. I wondered, you know, how am I going to do this? And the first thing that came right away was, I'm, I'm sure it won't be long. It'll just be a a short stint in God, we're gonna do this. But month after month as that went by, when I put in applications and with the TWC and people are saying, hey, are you applying online? Are you going to job, job interviews? Everybody knew something I didn't, like I was missing something, right? And uh, are you doing enough? And, uh, and I'd done everything I had done, hundreds of applications and, and interviews and phone calls, and it just never resulted in anything. That weight and that responsibility continued as the progression went in the following months. Uh, I began to feel the challenge of, I need to do more because I'm not getting the responses I need. And I need to do things differently. Maybe if I pray more, God will do something based on my action. And it's very hard in those moments because you think it's up to you to do something. It's your responsibility and I thought I did all I 
I, I could do. But God spoke to me one day and told me that the delay is not on me, it's on others. And his timing is not my timing. And often we think waiting means to serve you. I'm, I'm gonna serve you more because in the serving and the doing, God will do more. <laughs> when really he's sitting down saying, I've already done everything through my son. I've already accomplished everything. I just need you to believe and wait. It's gonna be according to his time, his way. And so despite what I was facing, what the world was telling me, the system and expectations I had to meet, I felt I chose him. I chose that promise. And what occurred next was really phenomenal. I got a call out of nowhere and a job opportunity and offer. And that's just really the beginning of the story because shortly after, here fast forward to this year, during a time of a pandemic, a brother in Christ is now out of work. And God just so stirred in my spirit to meet with him and we, we shared together and stood together during that time that uh, if God did it for me, he can do it for you. And six months to the day, as we speak right now, he is working and fulfilling the will of God in his life. You know, the Bible promises a blessing for those that wait on him. And so we want things to happen. We want to do things. But God has uh, his promise for everyone out there. He has promise for me. And, you know, if I just would wait and believe him more than what I see, his will can take place in my life. It's coming. It's on the way. You know, it's not a matter of if. It's not a matter of, of, of who. It's a matter of when. We just wait on his promises, and he's going to deliver. He said it, and it happens. If God can do it for Johnny, he can do it for you. What Johnny didn't mention in his story was that it was eight months to the day that he got his job. And it was six months to the day that his friend got the job. Often God is working even when we can't seem to see him at work. I want to reassure you that God has an open door and new doors are opening. And so if you are facing a closed door, I want to reassure you that God has an open door for you. I know some of you, you're facing difficulty. You've tried everything and nothing happens. But often what God is trying to do is invite us to be more like him, to choose humility, and in the waiting to lift up other people and to choose to be patient. And so today, while you're seated, I want to pray for you. And so I want to invite you to bow your heads and close your eyes. I know many of you, you're facing a closed door. You've taken a test five, six times, and you haven't passed. You're saying, God, has the opportunity passed me by? Some of you, you want to be married, and everybody's asking you about when you're going to get married, but you know in your heart that you have to wait on God and wait for him to bring the right person to you. For others of you, you want to have a child, and you don't understand why, why it hasn't happened yet. I want to speak truth and life to you. New doors are coming. New doors are coming. God's going to open it in his appointed time. We must choose to be patient. And so today, I would just ask one question. And if the answer is yes for you to this one question, I'm going to invite you to raise your hand because I want to pray for you. How many of you need an open door in this season? Raise your hand. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Dozens of hands. 
I know there's those of you who are online as well. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you. God, you promise that if we trust you in due time, you will open the door. Your word says in Revelation that you open doors that no man can shut and that you shut doors that no man can open. And you see that we're tired and we're weary, but you want us to trust in you and that when we keep your word and we hold fast to your commands that you're going to open a door in due time. And Lord, we hold fast to that word that in due time, you're going to open the door, the appropriate door that you have for us. And because of that, you're going to lead us through into the future that you have. I pray, Lord, that you would give a reassurance to your people that even though they're in a closed door season, that your presence is there with them, that your presence is is on this side of the door, and that if they allow you, that your presence will be with them on the other side of an open door, that you will open. You're inviting us in this season to allow humility to be the hinge in our life and to trust you and your timing. I pray, Lord, you encourage your people today. Let them have confidence in you that they are not forgotten and that they can trust in you in this season. Let them be blessed today in Jesus' mighty name. And all of God's people said, amen.